Hey, Inside the Vault family, did you know that the black community has $2.7 trillion of spending power? Are you ready to see what we can do when we combine and recirculate our resources to expand the pool of black excellence? I know I'm ready. And that's why Inside the Vault has partnered with Greenwood, the in-demand black-owned digital banking platform. Greenwood's namesake was founded in 1906, built from the brilliance of black dreamers looking to create a self-sufficient community in the Greenwood district of Tulsa, Oklahoma, a.k.a. Black Wall Street. Today, Greenwood is a digital banking platform with a mission to strengthen the black dollar using the same community reinvestment strategies of the original Greenwood district. And it's powered by best-in-class mobile app that allows you to bank from anywhere. So inside the Vault family, if you're ready to build a new legacy of black economic achievement, go to bankgreenwood.com slash inside the vault and sign up to be part of the new Greenwood community. That's bankgreenwood.com slash inside the vault. I'm ready. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. If you can't build something while you're working a nine to five, you don't really have the chops to be an entrepreneur. Ooh. Because what happens is when you switch that, that thing to become a full-time entrepreneur, yeah. you're still working 16 hours a day. Thanks. Yeah. So if you tell them you can't work 16 hours a day now, yeah. That might be where you need to be. Like, there's a lot of wealth to be built. Absolutely. And we need people in corporate building wealth too. Absolutely. Everybody doesn't have to quit their job and be a boss. Mm -hmm. You can be rich without being a boss. But most times people miss out on their wealth by chasing this, this other target. Work your job. If you have the chops, you will get something off the ground and that business will tell you when it's time to quit. Wow. Pay attention and listen, we about to teach class. Inside the boat, my man adds cash. So get your man right. Thursday nights, 8 p.m. You see him, you change your life. Millionaire mindset, the best on earth. Blueprint to wealth and knowledge network. So get it while you can and he's standing right here. Just come inside the boat and see black millionaires. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Come inside the boat and see black millionaires. Oh yeah, oh yeah. All right, so welcome to another awesome episode of Inside the Vault with Ash Cash, the greatest money mindset show on the planet. Uh, I'm excited. Listen, if y'all didn't go back and watch all the heat that we've had so far, then you're missing out, right? But this interview is really, really special because, you know, as somebody who has been in the financial education space for a very long time, teaching people how uh, to create generational wealth, and even as a banker, right? I was a, I was a banker, um, and one of the things I realized in our community is access to capital, right? So there's a lot of geniuses, there's a lot of people in our communities that have some great ideas, but because they can't get the money, because they can't, you know, get get the the opportunity to start up, their ideas sort of like die with them, and they're not able to kind of, you know, see them to to to, the, to its fullest potential. And so our guests 
is, you know, our, our first guest is the co-founder and managing partner of Collab Capital. And what they do is they help black founders take their genius and turn it into generational wealth. That's a bar. Fast shout to my guy, Barry Gibbons in the building. What's up, brother? How you doing, man? I'm, I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm good. Nah, thank you, man. I'm, I'm excited because, um, I mean, first of all, you a techie. You don't look like a techie. You know what I'm saying? Like, we behind the scenes, we talk about hooping. I just had this vision of, of somebody being a techie, just having a different look, right? But you like a hooper. You, you know what I'm saying? You cool. You know what I'm saying? Like, and I'm saying, no disrespect to te techies, but. There's those false narratives. Exactly, those false narratives. Uh, but before we jump into to all, all of the, the great things that you're doing for our community, um, for those who don't know, uh, in your words, who is Barry Gibbons? Oh, man, that's a deep one there. Yeah. Um, man, first, I'm a, a child of my parents, right? Artania and Barry Gibbons Sr., um, they, they made every single ounce of everything you see here today and with a little mix of, a lot of mix of God mixed in that... Took me away from all the mistakes that I've made, like everyone else. Um, you know, I'm nothing special in, in that sense, but I'm a grinder, man. Like from high school on to going to Georgia Tech, Georgia Tech hard as hell, right? right? Like it's, say, yeah. you, you have to really be on your shit mm -hmm. to get out of Georgia Tech. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, pledged my freshman year, so I'm a Kappa, you know, grinded through that. First freshman in a very long time in, in my chapter and started several businesses through college. And so, yeah, man, I've just always been a grinder, a hustler. Um, but most importantly, I've always had this focus on impact. Like from growing up, the reason I wanted to be an engineer was because in my mind, we talked about this financial mindset, I thought that 100 grand would allow me to save all my family. Like not just my mom, my dad, wow. my brother. Wow. But I was like, man, if I can make 100 grand, all my little cousins back in Milwaukee, like I'm sending everybody to college, like 100 bands a year? Like, everybody tuition free, right? Yeah. <laughs> and so that's how I came to want to be an engineer. I was like, I'm good at math. Uh, I like building shit. Engineers make 100 grand. I'm going to be an engineer, and I'm going to save the planet, mm. right? Yep. Um, quickly found out 100 grand does not get you there. Yeah. And so then Barry Givens shifted from this engineering mindset to how do you use that same mindset and capability and strategy thought process to actually go be an entrepreneur because that's where real money, that's where the world changing money can be made. And so started a company, we can get into all this, but started companies in college, took that mindset, started, you know, worked in corporate for a tiny little bit just to save up enough cash to start my businesses and have started several other technology startups since I graduated college. But at my heart, like I'm a dude that cares about black people, that cares about our community and that is gonna do everything possible and grind every way possible to make sure that we good. Hey, what's up, y'all? Are you a coach, consultant, service provider, course creator, or expert that wants more clients to happily pay you 3K to 10K for your programs and services? If you answered yes, I have a special gift for you. It's from my guy, Markwell Russell, and it's called the Paid Ad Playbook, which shows you how to actually get 50 to 100 leads every single day that actually convert into clients. Markwell, he's used the same process to help clients create over $250 million in revenue. And this is more than a quarter of a billion dollars. You heard me right. Some of the top influencers, coaches, and consultants in the world have used Marquell strategies to build multi-million dollar businesses, and they still use them on a daily basis. And the cool thing is that this works for you even if nobody knows who you are. 
So to give free access, go to InsideTheVaultGift.com or text VAULT to 904-447-5274. Again, that's InsideTheVaultGift.com or text V-A-U-L-T to 904-447-5274. My God's going to take care of you. Let them know that Ashcast sent you. And, and where, where does where does that uh that mindset come from though, right? So you said you've been a grinder all your life, always hustling. Uh, was that something that your parents instilled in you? Was that something that you saw growing up? Like what you know, where, where's that that level of work ethic? Because we're gonna get into some of the businesses, and you've done some phenomenal things at early age, and been able to really kind of do some, and you're still doing phenomenal things. So where like where where, where did that mindset come from? Oh man, just watching my dad, like even my mom, like she stopped working or my or when I was in middle school, right? So she was a stay-at-home mom after that. And even then, right, it was like watching her at home. It's like everything that she did, she just worked all day. I come home from school, she's still working, she's still doing something. Um, same thing with my dad. It was every day, work, 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 work. But also, they didn't just give me anything. Mm, that's, 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 that's right. So like growing up, it was, you know, I wasn't poor yeah. but also wasn't rich right we were like lower like right smack dab lower middle class so i didn't want for anything like need wise mm-hmm. but i've still never owned a pair of jordans mm-hmm. like to this day i'm 36 years old and growing up it was like if you wanted jays mm-hmm. go get a job like if you want to spend 150 dollars on some tennis shoes you're gonna pay for it right and so i never had no jays wow 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 yeah, uh, yeah. and i worked every day like all from the time i turned 16 i worked a full-time job in high school wow like I went to class every day, played sports, and still worked forty hours a week mm-hmm. for my most of my senior year and all of, all of most of my all of my senior year, most of my junior year. So I was always just working to get the things that I wanted. And then as you get older, and that mindset changes, and the things that you want become I want to impact my community, I want to do more for my people. That mindset just goes from that to. I'm not waiting on anyone else to do it for me. I'm not waiting on anyone to buy me those J's, or I'm not waiting on anyone to give me anything. I know I have the ability, the mindset, the the brains to do everything I need to go get whatever's up here. Mm-hmm. I can go get the shit done. Wow. Yeah. And I just have to go do it. Mm-hmm. And no one else can stop me from doing it as long as I believe in myself. And so And, and how how did how did it shift though? How did how does it shift from, you know, you could get stuff done to wanting to help the community? Cause that, you know, that that that's something that I that I don't necessarily, especially in young people. I'll be honest with you, right? So, like, you know, I know, you know, when you start thinking, like, oh, I want to save the community, it's usually, like, <laughs> our elders who are like, oh, I made all the mistakes and I want to make sure that yeah. y'all don't make the same mistakes. But as a young guy who is like, yo, I, yo, I want to save the community. I want to make sure that, you know, businesses are being funded. Like, like where, you know, like, wh- where did that shift come from? Exposure. Hmm. Right. Like it started with wanting to save my family. Right. It was like we didn't come from much. Like I said, we were my my cousins always called me the rich cousin. Right. And so, you know, it was, man, I want to help my family. But then when you get out of that bubble, that's that bubble, especially in the black community, we're typically trapped on our block. We're trapped in our street, trapped in our family. And then you go out and you realize my family is a microcosm of the black community. Right. And so then you start to understand as well. One that hundred k ain't gonna get you there even with your family, but also the man. It's opportunities out here for us to go make billions of dollars and make real impact. And once you get that exposure and your mindset shifts from a hundred grand mindset to a billion dollar mindset, 
then your goals shift mm -hmm. too. So your goals shift from my family yep. to the whole black community yeah, is my yeah, family yeah. and that. I can get there, right? And so now I also have different tools in my, in, in my fingertips, right? Like now, before I was playing with a hundred grand, now I'm playing with, you know, when I started my businesses, I was in corporate making a, a hundred grand a year. Mm -hmm. I was putting 30, 40 towards the business. Mm -hmm. Now I'm out here playing with 50 mil, mm -hmm. right? Next, I'm gonna be playing with 200 mil, mm -hmm. right? And so as you play and you get exposure to these different things, yep your mindset has to shift. Or what you're gonna do is you're gonna waste it on Bentleys and you're right. gonna waste it on all this other stuff. And so I literally just moved the same impact mindset I had. I would allow, allow that mindset to grow with the exposure that I had to capital. Mm. And so now it becomes, we're gonna save everybody black. Yeah, and, and I, 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 lo I love what you said. There's billions of dollars that could be made in tech, right? And uh, I think that's important to know because when we, you know, we talk about the like the Mark Zuckerbergs of the world and you know, twenty-something years old, you know, multi-billionaire. Um, but I also know there's like disparities though in that in that industry. Talk talk a little bit of, of, about that. Like, why why do you think there aren't like with that ability, you know, to like literally change the gener you know your family yeah. forever it's it's it, it could happen not overnight but it could happen ra rather quickly yeah. but we're not in the game as much as we should be like why is that technology should be the best equalizer when it comes to capital right like you can get stuff done you can build an app you learn how to code you can do that outside of college you don't even need to go to school for that skill set mm -hmm. when you get to capital though that's where things get manufactured. Oh, okay. Right? So when you look at a lot of these companies that we see, we talk about the grind and we talk about what they're not saying these founders didn't grind and they didn't go through all like some of these, these startup struggles that all founders go through. But it's a lot different when you see a black founder on the same journey, same trajectory. Think about Black Planet. Mm. Black Planet, I mean, it is very well documented. MySpace. Um, was created because of Black Planet mm -hmm. and Facebook learned from MySpace and both of them. Mm. But you give that founder at Black Planet the same 10 mil that you give to Mark Zuckerberg. Now you're talking about manufacturing success, right? Because Facebook didn't make any money really until the damn near IPO, right? And so what happens in, in our networks is that we get just enough money to make some noise. Mm. To say, oh, we got this black founder just raised a million dollars, and this is where that money mindset changes. Mm -hmm. Because it's black, but we're like, oh shit, we got a million. Yeah, 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 fact, like, yeah, yeah. And then you go read the next article, and it's your competitor just got 15. 15 yeah. They just bought the market, mm -hmm. right? Like they're not smarter than you. Mm -hmm. They have a little bit more access than you because of the investors that invested in them, but at all, basically they got enough money to fail mm -hmm. and keep going. Mm -hmm. Most of the times, black founders, we get if we get anything, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. we get just enough money that we have to do it perfectly. Mm. If we hit- that, Wait, 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 that's a bar right there, right? You, yo, they get enough money to fail, which means that they could keep going over and over again and they could afford to make the mistakes mm -hmm. and in those, because success doesn't happen without the mistakes, so yep. they could afford to make those mistakes, but we get, my fault, I didn't mean to cut you off. That's no, 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 yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's something we don't talk about yeah, enough yeah. Yeah. in the venture capital industry, right? It's like, a lot of times, you don't need a bunch of money. Yeah. To get a company off the ground yeah. like we can the five of us in this room right now yeah. right like we can damn scrounge up 30 grand and go get an app built off an idea we just came up with and get it in the market yeah but then it's like how do you get it in front of a million people mm. you have to go test all these ads out you got to go do all this digital advertising buy some billboards do some testing we're going to try a market that's not going to be the right market we're going to say oh but we learned mm -hmm. 
from that market that maybe the 18 to 25 year olds aren't it, but these 35 to 50, mm -hmm. like that's our real market. So now we have enough money to try that market and go do another test over here in this market. Mm -hmm. All the while we have 20 people that work for us, like that capital buys you time, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right? Like if you don't have time when you don't have the money. Mm -hmm. And so, man, we can, we can get in this, this, this thing gets so deep when it gets to those disparities, but the black tax, right? Like you look at what investors are looking for to give you that other 10 million that you're waiting for instead of getting one, getting 10, they want you to not be working a full-time job, but they will literally ignore you. If this episode is sponsored by Greenwood Bank. Because they, they believe you haven't went all in if you're still working. I worked. I had to fund my own business. Mm -hmm. Every company I started, I worked all the way up until the bitter end, mm -hmm. right? Where I said, okay, now I have enough. Mm -hmm. Like sometimes we glorify this whole quit your job thing. Yeah. No, I didn't quit until I knew I was on a path. Mm. Like I had built everything, tested everything, had customers, and then I quit my job. I would have loved to quit 18 months before, right, right. but as black people, a lot of times we don't have to, like, we're not just paying our bills, right. we paying grandma. Right. We paying mama's bills. We paying our little brother and sister, you know, to feed them on campus while they in school. Like, whatever the case may be, most of us are first generational money. Absolutely. And so the whole family is leaning on us. We can't quit a job. And so as many of these things that have been built into this narrative of what success or, or what a founder that will be successful looks like, mm -hmm. in many of those things, black people don't fit into that narrative because it's been white men that have created the narrative. Mm -hmm. And so now we have to see more, and this is why, why I do podcasts, why I'm visible, mm -hmm. is because more black people need to understand, no, you can have a job. Right. You might have to work a little harder and work till two in the morning, and you can be a single mom mm -hmm. and get some shit off the ground. like like. All these things that we've been told we can't do, they're possible. We just have to tell the stories of the ones that did it. One, to encourage our people that it's possible. But two, to show the mofos on the other side that here's what success looks like for us. Absolutely. And so now we open it up to them to say, but well, we have to prove it to them first. Mm -hmm. And that's what we're doing at Collab. No, I love it. I love it. And so um, talk about some of those businesses, though, right? Because you said... Man, I started multiple businesses. Yep. Um, you know, I had a full-time job and I was working up until we got successful. Um, I mean, I know the level of success. So I I want the people to know, but talk about some of those businesses you started. You Ooh, know? Yeah, we'll, we'll go back to the the original. Yeah. yeah. Um, there's a company called Slushy Kicks. Mm. Go Google it. It might still be up there. Do your Google. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was actually my roommate Omar just started painting tennis shoes. Mm -hmm. So we in, we in college broke, and he starts we we got tired of spending a bunch of money on on clothes and shit, and so we was like, man, we can just start. It's called AfroLogics first. It was like black people mindset, right? It was like AfroLogics, and so we started like literally we bought a screen press, started making T-shirts in the dorm room, and it was like, man, we should have some dope shoes to match the dope designs on our shirts. Started painting shoes. Long fast forward a couple couple of months, and we get picked up by a boutique in Atlanta. And Big Boy, I dropped that, uh, he dropped, I got that Perp album uh -huh. and went to this boutique and it just so happens that the first pair we put in the boutique was this shiny purple pair. So we start getting phone calls the next week, nice. Big Boy's releasing his album on 106 and Park and he's sitting on 106 and Park with his feet up with a pair of slushy kicks wow. on 106 and Park. Wow, wow. So we blowing up at that point and like we so choose to Jeezy, Jagged Edge, T.I., LeBron James, Carmelo, Carlos Boozer. Um, we were just on MySpace. We were just slinging shoes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the boutique was selling them for us, so they started doing numbers. But that was that. We, we, we coined this, this, uh, this phrase, money is just an idea. Mm. 
And so that was like my first foray. That was the first time I'd ever done anything on my own, like it made money or something that we created. And that was literally the, the spark that got me into entrepreneurship. And so after that, we, we um, I, it's a bunch that go into that story too, but after that, I went on, continued school, graduated from Georgia Tech, and my first year out, I went and started a real estate tech company. I graduated school in 2008. Oh, <laughs> your timing was perfect. Oh, perfect. Yeah, and yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. cocky as shit too. So right, I was, right. uh, I was like, oh, I don't care about no, no, no down no, market, right, no right, recession. Right, right, like, right, yeah, yeah. it must not know who I am. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so moved to, um, went to Augusta. This is when I had my first corporate job, that, that 100K job yeah. coming out of college, and um, saved up every single penny. Right, like outside of a dumb decision, we'll get on that later. I did make one dumb financial decision. Um, but saved up all my money, worked until I had like 50, 60 grand saved up and then moved and started this company in Durham. My wife was in medical school at Duke and oh, that one failed. Like where the first one was for what it was, was a huge success. Yeah. yeah. The second one, oh man, I ended up just being a real estate agent. Wow. Like just, to, okay. yeah, <laughs> like yeah, just yeah. to pay the bills. It was in my industry. So yeah. I was like, I'm gonna go sell these houses yeah. so I can make some money. Yeah. Um, ended up doing that for a couple of years, but that's where I learned like the startup capital needed to, if you're going to do a real business, not like a, a and there's like hustles, yep. like the, the shoe business, that was a hustle, right? right. You, need to, you can go buy some Air Force One, some paint, and for 200 bucks, you can be like off to the races. Right. Then there's, I need to start businesses where I need to build an app. I need to like do things that require me to have capital. Mm -hmm. And I burned through my capital. So all that money I saved, mm -hmm. I burned through it so fast. Yeah. And then it left me with not enough time, that, that capital thing where I didn't have enough time to go through some of the things. Like one big thing we ran into was I was doing digital signatures. Mm -hmm. DocuSign was not legal yet. Ooh. Digital signatures weren't legal in real estate yet. Mm -hmm. So I was like way ahead of the curve. Mm -hmm. I was walking around with my laptop doing virtual showings. Mm -hmm. Now that stuff, it's all automated right, nowadays, right, right, but back right. then I was literally doing this stuff by hand. So I had to buy iPads and computers and you know all these things that I was doing and you run out of time, you run out of money. I didn't have enough time to let the market catch up to my innovation. Mm -hmm. Right, and that's what you buy when you go raise venture capital. So yeah. I learned all these lessons around starting technology businesses. And then my last one um, before Collab, um, I'll say my claim to fame, mm -hmm. a company called Masseur, mm -hmm. where I invented an automated cocktail making machine. Mm -hmm. um, so think of it like a Coke freestyle machine, but it makes adult beverages. Yeah. So touchscreen interface, you say I want a Long Island, 15 seconds later it gives you a perfectly mixed Long Island. Uh, and it was the first time I was able to use my degree as a mechanical engineer, all this design experience I had, so I designed it, built it in my dad's garage. He had a bunch of tools and all this kind of stuff. So it's that, it's that, it's that uh, Silicon Valley built in your garage, American technology story, right? Um, so I built it in my garage or my dad's garage and man, grew that bit. That business just took off. Uh, but once again, I went back to work after the real estate business and I worked at Caterpillar as an engineer. But I did it with all intents and purposes of funding because I didn't have friends and family that I can go back to and get 50 grand. Yeah. If I needed 50 grand, I had to go grind for it. I had to right. go to work and go right. get it. Right. And so I went to work and then I applied to this thing called TechCrunch Disrupt. It's the largest technology conference in the United States. Mm -hmm. And they had this thing called Battlefield. They choose like 10 companies out of like 2,500 applicants. And I told my wife, I said, if I get accepted into this, like this is, I've been doing like, doing like little bartending uh, events around the city. Mm -hmm. So I, I had been using the machine. I knew it worked. I had won a couple competitions. I was like, but this is the big boy. If I get into this, I am quitting my job. Mm. 
But I worked for 18 months all the way up until I got the email that said we're going to be pitching on stage. Nice, nice. And that day, I walked into my boss and I gave him my two-week notice. Yeah. I sent him the email, showed him why, yeah. and he supported me. He was like, nice. I will quit too. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so that, that was my journey, man. That company ended up, we grew it to a little over a million dollars in revenue. Yeah. Um, we had machines. And, and how long did y'all grow it to a million dollars? Um, so it took about five, four or five years, okay. four years. Yeah. Um, we had machines and our first install was at Churchill Downs in the Kentucky Derby. Mm-hmm. So our machines are still in the suite. The, uh, the suites of the horse owners. Oh, nice. So every time one of them, the rich white folks go and watch their horses race, like they're pouring drinks from our machine. Wow. Uh, we were in the Hawks. We were in Oklahoma City Thunder. We were in some Marriott properties. We were in about 10 Regal Cinemas. Um, so we had machines all over the place. You run out of money. Mm. And you run out of time, right? Mm. Like we get to the end of our journey. Not, not, not the end, but we get to this point where we're like, we are primed to go like scale this business. We figured everything out. We need, we need money to do this plan. This is the plan that's going to take us to $100 million. Mm-hmm. And that plan required minimum $5 million. We wanted eight, but like we can go out here and raise five. With all that success that we had, we went out and raised two and a quarter million. Wow. And this gets into that mindset, right? Like a lot of people, oh, shit, you raised two and a quarter? Right, right, right. It's like, no, nah, when you play this game, yeah, yeah, yeah. like there was our competitor, or not our competitor uh, exactly, but there was another drink machine out there that come to call Juicero. Mm-hmm that had nothing. Mm. They had a prototype. Mm. We out here got machines in Churchill Downs and Regal Cinemas and Marriott's. And this Juicero dude raised like, I think it was like $10 million, $8 million at 10 with a prototype, had done nothing. Wow. And pretty much went and bought the team to finish out his idea, bought the team to do all the things. Long story short, he ended up raising like $125 million and then woke up one day and was like, this isn't working. And just stopped doing it. After he had went through like 125, like it's all these blogs written around it, but right. you will never find a story like that about a black founder. Nah, all right, y'all, you already know my man Dave Anderson is definitely helping entrepreneurs get amazing levels of success. Yo, he's helped his clients generate over $118 million in 2020 during the pandemic. And then now you can get unprecedented access to him and his team with his program, Bully One-on-One. You're gonna learn business from one of the best business coaches in the world for less than the cost of your cell phone bill. So here's what you're gonna get. You're gonna get a digital membership card that entitled you to get free access to the Business Bully virtual events and online workshops, unlimited access to their exclusive digital university with hours on demand, with business knowledge at your fingertips, zero fluff, no BS, monthly private masterminds with Dave and his team. You'll get a special celebrity guest mastermind sessions. You'll learn business, all of the things that you need to take your life to the next level. All you got to do, look, enroll now at bully101.com. Bully101.com. Let's get it. All right, let's get back to the show. And, and that's crazy to me because I don't think y'all understand, or hopefully y'all understand, like, literally... And you said the black tax, like you literally did all of the work, you proved the concept, you got customers, you're showing this idea that could get you to 100 million if you just got the proper funding, but was only able to get two point, you know, two, two and a quarter million while there's somebody else who has a similar idea, but just got a prototype, didn't even prove the concept, was able to get 10 million, 125 million. And, and like we talked about before, they have the ability to, to, to uh, you know what, I, I'm not doing this. Wow, 
Wow. And he's, he's still on Instagram. Right. Like his life's not over. Right. Like he's still out there working, yeah. doing stuff, right? Yeah. Like it's yeah. uh yeah. but that that's that when we talk about these black experiences and these black journeys, like I would love to hear that story for a black founder because yeah. it's not that guy's fault. Yeah. He took a shot. Yeah. He had an innovation. He went out, he tried it, it didn't work. It happens all the time. The yeah. thing is, as black people, we do not get the same level of resources, yeah. right? And and I actually view that when I, I talk to, I train a lot of other investors on how to find black investments, mm-hmm. how to find black founders, because mm-hmm. um, they it's like this this mythical creature, right? Like, oh, you can find dope black founders. Right, right. Can you show me how? Right. Where are they at? Right. Like, where are you hunting? Right. right. And so the thing I tell them is that you have to look at distance traveled, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. When if you come to me as a as a white founder and you've made it to this level where you're applying to my program, let's say my tech stars program. Mm-hmm. And there's a black founder that's applying to my Techstars program, and y'all are sitting right here together. Mm. But you went to Stanford, don't have no student debt. Mm. Your dad gave you your first fifty grand. Yeah, yeah. You've only traveled like this far. Absolutely. You ain't did shit yet. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now I got this black founder yeah. who went to an HBCU that right. didn't have a technical program, right. had to figure out how to get an app built, didn't have it in their friends network, right. had to go to work, find the money to get the thing done, had to go prove it to a couple customers to even get to where he is to make it to applying to my program. All while he probably has two kids and a wife, or it's a single mom, or and the distance traveled for them to get here, they started from down here and they still neck and neck with you. As a white investor, many times they say, Oh, but they have Stanford behind them. So that's the thing I'm looking for. What I'm saying is go underneath that water. What's underneath right. the, the rest of that iceberg? Because that shit that's down there, yeah. that's the shit you need. That's the thing that's gonna propel you to a billion dollar company. Yeah. That's the stuff you can't buy. Yeah. And so that's what we do. I bet on people that know how to grind. Mm. Right? I bet on people that have, that have traveled choppier waters because yep. they know how to navigate. Yeah. Yeah. So if you give them clean water, mm. if you give them safe water to travel in, mm. man, please. Yeah. Like they gonna knock it out the park. Yeah. And so, and so um, that first, you know, the, the, the you know, Monsieur, that's that right? Everybody messed Monsieur, up. Monsieur, 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 I mean, Mister, right? <laughs> Mister, Monsieur. So, Monsieur, um, uh, what wound up happening with that company? Did you, you know, did you sell it? Like, what, what, what was the exit like for, for that company? Yep. So we um, took that two and a quarter, and like we always do, we said we're gonna stretch it. Yeah, yeah. We're gonna flip it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so we ended up, you know, building a new machine that didn't quite. We spent the money there that didn't quite work out like we wanted it to. And so we hit this point where we got down to, a, it was like five, 600K in the bank. Mm-hmm. And these are those hard conversations that we don't talk about in public. Yeah. Where, you know, this is my baby, man. Like, yeah. this, is, this is the highest level that I've ever been. And you have to sit in the room and say, I think it's time that we sell. Mm. Like, we do not have enough capital to do. We, we have a plan. We yeah. know it will work, but we do not have enough capital. There's nothing we can do with this money that's going to make what we want to happen happen. Mm-hmm. And so the best thing for us to do right now is to sell this business even though it's probably too early. Right. Um, so we went out on this journey. We got about five bids in. Um, we only had one bid that was cash. Uh, and my other, at this point, I had investors and I had a board of directors, uh, things of that nature. So it wasn't just my decision anymore at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, they didn't take the cash offer. Um, or should I say, they tried to negotiate mm-hmm. and fucked it up. Mm-hmm. Um, so this gets into other lessons, right? Like once you bring on a board of advisors, it's not your baby anymore. Right. Right, like it's that all those paperwork that you signed, yeah, yeah. like you're signing away a little bit of control every time you put a signature on a piece of paper. Um, and so, but like I said, we went and got like five offers, and two of them were kind of similar. We had one that was cash. We had another two that were um, 
And we ended up going with the deal, basically it was a licensing deal. Okay. So we licensed out all of our IP. Uh, we had a crazy good engineering team and software development team. And a lot of our competitors that were in the hardware space were really good at building machines. Mm -hmm. They couldn't write the, like, the algorithms we had written to do the mixing and all the other stuff. A lot, most of our stuff was done with software. They could, not, they could not build that themselves. And so they basically bought our IP. We licensed it out to a company out in Silicon Valley. Um, and they're still out there building machines with wine and, um, and liquor and beer. And they're, you know, they're, they do the whole spectrum of alcohol. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, we just had to sell it to a larger competitor that I think we would have completely dominated, mm -hmm. you know, with all the skill sets that we had in our, in our office. Mm -hmm. But we didn't have the capital to, to battle them. And so we ended up having to sell to them. Hey, how you guys doing? Hold on, hold on, don't press that button because that's what I do every time I'm looking at an ad that I don't want to see. This ad just happened to be life-changing. I just happen to own one of the biggest home healthcare companies in the state of Georgia. I can help you create your own. Just to give you a little bit of insight, I send out registered nurses, LPNs, and CNAs to take care of people inside of the homes that cannot take care of themselves. But guess what? You don't have to have any medical background and you don't have to have any medical knowledge. So if you're wanting to change your life and you have a passion for actually taking care of people, then go ahead and sign up for Home Healthcare Blueprint. I'll see you guys later. And so, and so, uh, when you say when you say you licensed it, what, does that mean that you still save big on brunch for mom? All in the Kroger app. Get 16 ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for 4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca Cola, Pepsi, or Seven Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Receive royalties from it or, you know, once you licensed it. They <laughs> if they could sell money. anything, we would. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So if they could, um, that, that company is not selling like they need to. So mm -hmm. once you do a licensing deal, a royalty deal. Right you put your fate in the hands of another person. Right, right. Um, And, you know, they just, we haven't seen a bunch of money come exactly, back, right, right, you right, know? And so, right. like, the, the best thing that I got from Monsieur is, you know, I know this is about finances, but, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, I sold some of my stock in the previous rounds. Yeah. Um, so I made a little bit of money, uh, but nothing, uh, nothing too crazy. And, um, and then I got the experience, right? Like, yeah. my stature as a person, like that experience yeah. is what allows me to go raise 50 mil. Exactly. Right? right and right, so it's right, not right. always about, and this is what we talk about in, in, in the white networks, right? Like that failure yep. should propel you. Absolutely. Like, and yeah. I say failure in the sense of Silicon Valley failure. I don't believe that Monsieur failed, mm -hmm. but Monsieur didn't make me a multi, multi-millionaire. Yeah. So in many people's eyes, that's a failure when you got to the level that we got. Mm -hmm. But in my eyes, it was an experience, right? And that's how we have to look at these types of companies yeah. is, that one didn't make me a multi-multi-millionaire, mm -hmm. but it gave me the stature, right. it gave me the respect, it gave me the network. Yep. Now I go out and I can say, hey, I'm raising a $50 million fund, would you invest $5 million in me? And when they look at my history, like, they look at all this and they're like, oh shit, like, yeah, yeah, yeah we'll give yeah, you yeah, money, yeah, right? Like, look, at, look at what you've done in the past. Yeah. And so that's just, a, that's just a, a piece of armor that I can now wear when I'm going out and starting my next thing, which was Collab Cap. Collab, so now, Collab capital, uh, turning black founder geniuses uh, into their genius into generational wealth. Um, talk to us about that journey, right? Because, you know, a lot of people 
uh, see disparities, right? They say, you know, specifically Silicon Valley, you know, the, 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 the old white men who are controlling it and giving it to their sons and their nephews or yeah. whatever the case may be, um, you know, people could, could, could sit back, complain. Uh, people could say, you know what, let's figure out you know, how do we break that mold? How do we, you know, you know, how do, how do we penetrate into what they've built? Or you could do for self, build your own, come in, collab capital. Talk to me about that. You said you hit the nail on the head. It's so many people, and this gets back to like that upbringing, right? Like back to if you want some J's, yeah. gotta work for you got to go work and buy them joints. Like this, this was my proverbial J's, right? It was like, Everybody was complaining, even when I was, you know, I was that person complaining, right? I can't get money. I can't, like, the solutions aren't out there for me to go get capital, and white people are racist, and this industry is racist, and you could go and try to convince them that, oh, you should do X, Y, Z, or you should, or you can go out and say, my people need money. Let's go figure out how to get it. Yeah. Um, and, and that started with being intentional, mm -hmm. right? Like, we never use the word minority. We don't use the word underrepresented. Mm. We don't use the phrase people of color. Mm. We don't use black and brown. Mm. Like we are unapologetically for black founders. Mm. Hard stop. We period, went, right? That's what like, it's on period. On period. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and when we went out and started talking to our advisors and you know people that you know that were our mentors and stuff, black people, it was like, man, hell no! Like you about to do what? Like, ain't nobody going for that, right? Like, you can't go, you gotta say minority, and then when you get the money, then you can kinda, then go invest in all black people. Mm -hmm. And it was like, no. Yeah. Like, we don't want anybody to think anything that's happening here that's not happening. Mm -hmm. And the only thing happening here is we are building a foundation for black founders to build off of. Yeah. And we want every investor that comes into our realm to understand that that's what they're here to do too. Yeah. Right, because we don't want questions to be like, "Oh, where's the diversity in your fund?" Mm -hmm. I thought this was about all minorities, right? Mm -hmm. Where are the white women, mm -hmm. right? And it's like, no, nah, like this is for black people, and that intentionality. And I'm, I'm focusing here, and I'll get to how we got to the full fifty, um, but like having that intentionality, and then going out and building your own table, man. It's mm -hmm. like they have no incentive to do it, right? And I tell you this all the time, like Silicon Valley has no reason to diversify right they get so much stuff that they're going to make billions of dollars with or without us mm. so when you tell them they have to leave their thrones mm. and go to the south where 50 60 percent of black people are that you have to go spend your time at at, at, at howard and morehouse and spelman instead of stanford that's right in your backyard that's extra flights that's extra work that's another person i have to hire mm. so when we're asking them to be more diverse we're asking them to do more work and to spend more money, and their job is to make money. Right, right. And they're making it right there without leaving. Like, right. they do not have to leave their doorstep. Yeah. And so when someone doesn't have an incentive to do something, you cannot put all your eggs in that basket. Yeah. The only people that have the incentive to do it is us. Mm -hmm. So let's go out and freaking do it. Absolutely. Like, this is what we've all done. We've all built companies. Like, let's go do it. Yeah. And so that was the most important part. It was like building our own table and proving to them that y'all missing out. Mm. Like, if y'all gonna leave all this money on the table? Right. Cool. Yeah. Like, whereas most people look at it as, oh, you guys are leaving money on the table. You mm -hmm. shouldn't leave money on the table. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It was like, bet, let me, uh, let me, let me get that. Let me, I'm gonna yeah. take all the money right. you exactly. left on the exactly. table. Like, exactly. you think these black people don't yeah. have genius? Yeah. Like, cool, we're gonna turn it into wealth, yeah. right? Yeah. Like, yeah. And, you know, that, and that's exactly and, what and, we do. And, and I, lo I love that because 
Um, I, I don't know. I just, I just always felt like, you know, you know, us as a community, like we were waiting for somebody to change a system that wasn't built for us. Like, I, I mean, I don't want to get political, but it's like, or, or not even just, it, it, I just feel like, you know, when you think about how the country was built, the, the country yeah. wasn't built because these nice people wanted to <laughs> look out for everybody. Right. And so and so the country is like the 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 disparity in Silicon Valley is intentional. Right. It's the way that the country was built. And, you know, and, and I'm, I'm not I'm not saying that effort shouldn't be put in to to diversify, especially if we as a community are, um, you know, um, you know, uh, uh, putting money into, you know, or, or, or patronizing them. Um, but that's the other thing too, right? Is that is that when we look at all of these uh, products and services and things of that nature that you know there aren't founders that look like us, but they'll take our money, they'll be in our communities, they'll you know, and they don't even give us the respect that they they don't even care. Why not just say, you know what? Like I'm the sauce, I'm the juice. Let me, you know, like I, like I know Magic Johnson did it, right? Where you know, they, they weren't investing in, in, you know, low income communities. So he built housing in low income communities, built the Starbucks and, and, and now was able to amass wealth. Um, and so talk to me about that. Right. So collab capital. How did y'all raise the, the 50 million? Yeah, it goes back to the intentionality. Right. Yeah. Like I'll admit firsthand, like starting that journey. Shit, it was going to be an uphill battle, yeah, right? Like, yeah. all the stuff that our mentors said, it was true. They weren't saying it out yeah, of, like, disbelief in us. It was the industry they were worried about. The people you're going to ask for money aren't going to go for this. Yeah. It's too narrow of a focus. It's too blah, blah, blah. All these things were valid points. Yeah. Then George Floyd was murdered. Mm-hmm. Right? And so you take all of the, and this is where the spiritual stuff comes in, too, yeah, of, like, yeah. Stick God gives you an assignment. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, even though it's tough, like, you don't run, you don't go away from it, you stick to your assignment, and then he'll give it to you. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, once you show that you're faithful, once you show him you're faithful, yeah. um, so I don't get too spiritual. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, man, we, we were struggling. Like, that pandemic hit, and we were raising, we were supposed to have our first close on March 30th, 2020. Oh, Time and again. The country look, look, shut a, down. Look, wait, wait, wait. Hold on. It's a, it's a, hey, Barry, it's something about you, man. You start a real estate company in 2008, the recession. You try to raise capital and then the country shut down. Hey, so the 2008 thing was ego. Right, right, right. Because right. I knew that was it. Right, right, I didn't right, know right, a pandemic right. was yeah, coming. Yeah, facts, facts, facts. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we we had several million dollars like the people that were that was earmarked. People were going to give us money. Yeah. And then March 15th, the country shut down, the economy crashes, we lose all that money. Wow. So we basically have like a million dollars. We can make one investment mm-hmm. and we have to just, and we have to shut down because like during the pandemic, you can't really go beg people for money when yeah. people are dying, people are losing their job. Right. And so it's like, we just do what we always do. We stop asking for money and we say, how can we help black founders? Mm. We did a pitch competition. Like we just stuck to our, we just stuck to who we were. Yeah. It was like black people out here need help. We joined boards to help make sure some of this money that's being allocated around the the loss of jobs in the pandemic so we just stayed us mm-hmm. then george floyd was murdered mm-hmm. or, or the 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 video came out mm-hmm. i believe in like end of may mm-hmm. and in june all of these companies started saying we're putting 500 million dollars right. here we're putting a billion dollars here yeah and when you go look at the landscape and you, they say we're putting a certain percentage towards venture capital mm-hmm. who is the only person mm-hmm. still waving this flag mm-hmm that we're unapologetically black. Wow. Our team is black. Wow. We only invest in black people. Like, 
our website is black. Like, there's nothing about us. And so what starts to happen is when these people get in those rooms and they're panicking because they don't know any, they don't know enough black people to allocate $500 million. Right, right. So it's like, oh man, this collab capital, they keep coming up. Nice. Like they keep coming up in meetings. And so as much work as we did outwardly yeah. to go. So basically we went back out in July. That was the plan. Like we were going to shut down in March and we were going to put together this new plan to go back out in June, July. And so as soon as we had already planned to resurface, mm-hmm. that's when all these funds started coming out and being created. Wow. And so we ended up, if you really look at when we started fundraising, it really started like that July. Mm-hmm. And we closed the fund in less than 12 months. Wow. So we closed wow. $52 million. Wow. Like 50 was our target. Yeah. We oversubscribed. Yeah. Um, we closed $52 million basically between June, July 2020 mm-hmm. and May of 2021 in a pandemic that's a blessing and it's all a blessing right it's all like sticking to your guns like we had an assignment we were told to do something and there were other people that were gung-ho black this black that we're creating these new models for black founders and you just as fundraising started you'll see those people slowly dying down and focusing more on minority and focusing like you look at their portfolios their investments have you know more white women and more asian women right and you start seeing that they they're 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 playing the game of the industry, rightfully so. Yeah, That's the yeah. <laughs> it's the easy way to do it, right? right? Like yeah. if you want to get more black fund managers, you have to play a little bit of their game. Yeah. We didn't play that game, yeah. and so we stuck to our guns, played our game, yeah. built our table, and now it's a bunch of motherfuckers eating it. Wow, wow! I love that because I think that there's so much to kind of unpack in there. Because I mean, you know, I told I told my wife the spiritual stuff really works. I hum do a lot, right? Like. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Like, like really, right? When you, you know, the spiritual stuff really works, though. Yes. You know, it really works. Yes, it works. And, um, and so I don't want to glaze over that. It's like, um, whatever you subscribe to, right? So, this, you know, I'm not telling anybody to subscribe to anything, but when you have a belief in your higher power and your higher power gives you an assignment, you, you know, you're not always going to be given... Um, the exact way that the assignment is gonna, you know, is going to be accomplished. But if you stay faithful and you just have that faith and say, "Listen, heard you, God. You said do this. I'm gonna do this." And then the positioning that allowed you to that faithfulness got rewarded in in ways that you you couldn't even imagine. You couldn't even thought of it. Yeah, that was not and, gonna be in the playbook. Exactly, it wasn't in the playbook. <laughs> and so I love that. And I love the fact that. You know, for those who are listening to understand that, you know, when you create a plan, there are going to be deviations in the plan. But if you stick to your guns, if you understand your why and, you know, you, you know, you, you got you guys pivoted a little bit. Right. Yeah. The, the, the core, the core in what you created at Collab Capital stayed there. But the pivot allowed you to stay true to who you are, um, you know. Uh, contrary to, to what your mentors and everybody was saying, you're like, nope, I'm going to, you know, stay at this position. And now you've shown them, right, that, listen, if you stick to your guns and you're intentional, that you can make things happen. Um, and so for those who, um, you know, I, I, mean, I mean, we use the word black founders a lot, right? Um, and, and, and now you have, you know, $52 million. What does that mean for, you know, somebody who's watching this, who's an entrepreneur who says, I have this idea. Let me hold something, Barry. Let me get some of that 52. Let me hold something. 
Um, so we are a technology focused fund. So that's first and foremost. Yeah. We get a lot of applications from people that are doing stuff that are non-tech related. I was gonna say, cause my, my, my cousin do hair. Exactly, she, right? She, she, she the best I got a hair baby. I get some money, you know what I mean? We, we, we get a bunch of them. Like, yeah, yeah, we get a bunch yeah, of those. Yeah, yeah. We get a bunch of, uh, you know, people that are trying to shoot a movie. Yeah. Like, we do not do content. We do not do what I deem as like traditional small businesses, mm -hmm. restaurants, all that stuff. We are not the right capital solution for that. Yeah. Uh, we invest in technology focused or technology centered innovative products and so you know if you can patent it you know if it's something that you you design is really really cool that can scale really really big then we'll take a look at it right and so but most of our investments will be in software products that you're selling to people on the subscription mm -hmm. that you're selling to you know businesses um, even if it's consumer they were they're paying you a dollar 99 a month to be a part of it um, and then also we invest as far as where you are on your journey we invest post product early revenue mm -hmm. and so what that means is you need to have something built mm -hmm. like it goes that distance travel we want to see that you can figure out it doesn't have to be the prettiest thing it doesn't have to be the most functional mm -hmm. we just want to know that hey you built something you took it to somebody that you plan on selling it to mm -hmm. got in front of them and they thought it was cool enough to give you a shot mm, okay. um, so we say early revenue it could be a pilot maybe it's an unpaid pilot we prefer paid mm -hmm. Um, but we just want to see a little bit of that traction. All that stuff is very strategic because with our model, where we focus is helping companies grow what they've done, right? And so we have other services that we provide and we have other partners that we work with that can help you get to that point. And so that's one thing that's cool about us. When you come to us, we don't just throw you away, even if you don't fit, if you're not right at the right stage at that moment. Um, but yeah, that's it really. We're, we're industry agnostic, so we don't, you know, you can have an innovation if it's an innovation in the hair space and you have something that's a software product, we'll look at it, mm -hmm. right? Nice. Um, and so, yeah, so that's it, man. You're building something dope, innovative, that you think you can sell to millions of people and make a bunch of money off of. Come, come, and come so, out at me. And so, he, so he, here's, here's the, his, so now, you know, um, somebody has this idea that tech company, um, is collab only giving them money? And that's it. Here's a check. No. Go about your business. Go do what you do. Make sure you give us money back. Like how, how does how does that partnership work now? Now now you got this company. You about to you know you you like them. You want to you know help them with funding. What's what's that process like? So we built very we built our team very intentionally, right? So first off, all three of the partners are operators. Mm. So we know how to build. We've all built different types of businesses, but we've all built businesses. And then even when you get past the partners, you know, our principal, Elliot, has been in private equity and finance and been a CFO before. So now when you come to us, you also have a person you can lean on and help get your books together, mm. right? To make sure that financially you're making good decisions and that when you go do your taxes that you take. So we have these type of people on staff, our director of operations, um, also principal, um, Rachel. She started several business. Her family owns a business. She worked for, for Puff at Combs, Wine and Spirits. Mm. Um, but she's been an operator. She's like a logistics genius, right? Mm -hmm. And so when you come to us, you're getting a wealth of knowledge and experience to help you get, and that's why that's our focus area, because we want to help you take that idea, put all this secrets and special sauce around it. But then we took it one step further. Mm -hmm. So we built in this thing called a growth partner. Mm -hmm. And so the growth partner was built for our people. Because black people, anytime you go and say, hey, I got this company, and I think you'll be dope to help them out. They be like, I need 20%. Mm. 
can they give me 10 grand? Like, we always need something, right? right and right, so right. instead of, once again, saying, oh, our people ain't shit or something like that, like, we all, why can't we just do it for the good of your heart? Uh, it was like, no, how about we build something to incentivize them? Mm. And so we built this thing called a growth partner model where they actually, we find, so I, I, I walked through an example so it helps make it make sense. Uh, we invested in a company called Healthy Hip Hop. They're a healthy music-based company. They also have a social media app that's for kids, 12 and under, um, just a really safe space for your kids to interact with their friends, do all the stuff we do on TikTok and Instagram as adults, but doing a safe space oh, nice. for a seven-year-old. Nice, but it also comes with music that sounds like you're listening to a Migos album, mm. but it's all about good mentality. Nice. It's about, you know, they did stuff around washing your hands and wearing masks during the pandemic, mm -hmm. but it's all about building the social conscience and confidence in our children. So they don't have to listen to the same, you know, riffraff that we listened to growing up. As a six-year-old, you should be listening to how to go outside and play with your friends, spend right. more time outside, right? right. Um, so they did all that, but who's like the king of healthy music? Mm -hmm. It's Lecrae. Mm. So we bring Lecrae in as a growth partner to this company that's going to open up music doors. Mm. It's going to open up his network of, of followers and listeners that listen to his music that's kind of right in that demographic mm -hmm. of where they're going. And we bring Lecrae in. We bring him in on our side of the economics. Mm -hmm. And so now Lecrae has a contract with us that he's going to do these five things for this business. Mm -hmm. And if Lecrae does those things, then Lecrae owns a percentage of this said Ooh. company. Beyonce, and pay me in equity. Pay okay. me in equity, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And also, because we have a part of our model is sharing profits with the companies, mm -hmm. that also Lecrae has a chance to actually make this another stream of income. So if he helps this company grow and get a million kids on this social media app and their mom is paying $30 a year, yeah. And now they had $30 million and they're doing that at 30% profitability and all those numbers break down. Yeah. Not only will he own a percentage of the company, but he might make a hundred grand a year. Right, right. Uh, so now he's incentivized right. to get out and say, hey, let's plan this event. Let's get this launch going on. Let's get my followers into your network. Let's, let me call, let me call my, my friend over here to play basketball. Let me call my friend over here to make music and get their kids on. Like now he's incentivized to do all this stuff. And this is how we manufacture black wealth. Ooh. They did it with billions of dollars. We're doing it with culture. Absolutely. So now we can use the thing that we have right. to manufacture these wins. And we do that. We had to, but that model didn't need to be built for them. Mm -hmm. right. That model needed to be built for us. They, they were not incentivized to build something different because they didn't have to. Yeah. We had to build something different to allow us to manufacture, manufacture success yeah. in the riches that we own, which is the culture. We yeah. own the pulse. Yeah. So let's use the pulse to manufacture wealth. Y'all love that. That's awesome. That's awesome. And so now, collab capital, fifty million. Um, you know, what's what, what's what's next? What's the you know what's next for you? What's next for collab? Is it still kind of going out, finding other companies? What what would you say is the next? Yep. The next so phase? we're we're ten investments in. Okay. We'll do another forty with the with the money that we have. Mm -hmm. um, and then next for us is we're gonna pop up in two years and take the success of the ten companies and the the rest of the companies that we've invested in. But at that point. And uh, we're going to go raise 200. Mm. That's it. We, we playing with 50 right now. Right. And we're going to prove our model out. We're going to prove that our, our people deserve to be invested in. Yep. And then we're going to go take that proof. Yep. And we're going to say, give us some more. And, and so, and so what, what winds up happening, though, right? You got the 50. You invest in the companies. Does the... Like, how, 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 do, how do you get the 50 back? Does it go back into the company or do you take part ownership? Like, how does that, how does that work for Collab Capital as a gotcha. fund? So the way uh, venture capital works is we take, they, they're called limited partners. Limited partners invest, they're the people that gave us 
the 52 million. Yeah. So now, technically, in order for us, or in order for them to feel like we were successful, we really need to return 3x mm -hmm. over like a 10 to 12 year period. Okay. That's the only way we're beating the market. Like that, people invest in venture capital to get a better return than they would get in other vehicles. Mm -hmm. And so now our job is to basically go and figure out how we can return 150 back to them. Right. We, had to, we had to triple this money that they gave us, and we do that through these investments. Mm -hmm. And so our investments will exit, people will buy them, the IPO, in our model, we'll get shared profits back from some of the business. So there's all these ways to, um, to liquefy these assets that they have to then give that money back to them. Okay. But typically that takes you know, seven minimum years typically before a company really starts returning back this money and this capital back to the LPs. Mm -hmm. So that's the clock that they're on. Mm -hmm. In our model that we built with this shared profit engine that's also built into it, we may return, you, the goal is for us to return around year three or four to start returning something, not like millions and millions of dollars, but to start giving them some of their capital back. Yeah. Um, and then what happens is you go out and raise it, you take the success, of the, and success at this point of the journey means what are their revenue numbers? Like you made an investment in the company two years ago. What have they done in the two years since you invested? Mm -hmm. Like have they went on and raised another round? So typically it's called, you know, their valuation policies. Mm -hmm. um, so our valuation policy would say, I invested in you. We value the business at $5 million. A year later, you go out and raise another lump, lump of capital and they, and they thought you were worth 15. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So now we've tripled the value of this company. So when we go raise fund too, mm -hmm. they're going to be like, oh, the right. unrealized value mm -hmm, mm -hmm. of the portfolio mm -hmm. is doing numbers, even though they haven't gotten a cent back. Right. Got it. They're yeah. going to look at the potential of what we've done. Yeah. And they're going to say, we want to do this again. Yeah, we want to yeah, yeah. this time we want to give you 20 instead of five. Right. Got right. It, and then got so it. that's how you take that early success of what these founders are doing. Mm -hmm. So really, it's all on the founders. Right. Like, we're going to help them. But really, you have to make good bets on people. Right. And so that's what we're doing at Collab. And right. then that'll ride us into like the two, three year mark where we'll go out and start fundraising again and get yeah. a larger lump sum of money, yeah. which allows us to write bigger checks yeah. earlier. Yeah. It allows us to write bigger checks later. Right. And it allows us to write more checks. Love it. Love it. Nah, I love it. I love it. And so uh, let's talk. Let, let's talk about Barry for a second. Right. So, you know, all the success that you've had. Um, you know, all of the things that you've done being a hustler, uh, talk to us a little bit about, you know, uh, your, uh, the money that you've, you know, not, not, I don't want to in your yeah, pocket yeah. or not like that, but what would you say is the, is the biggest, uh, or the most extravagant thing you've done with money so far? You personally. Man, I don't do extravagant. That's okay. a tough one. Okay. I, I'm super modest. Yeah. I'm super... Um, laid back, like I just, I traditionally, I just, I would say the most extravagant thing. So as a founder of a fund, yeah. one of the things that investors want to see is skin in the game. Mm -hmm. And so I had to put 350 grand into the fund, mm -hmm. but that's what I do. I, you, I, I, I'm not, I'm not the type to go buy fancy watches yeah, or, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I, I just put my down payment down on my Tesla. I would say that. Okay. Okay. Um, okay. I would say the. No, I'll, I'll keep it there. They, we'll, we'll say me putting this money back into the fund yeah. was probably, because like I said, I'm not uber rich, right? Mm -hmm. But I'm always going to bet everything I have on myself. Yeah, yeah. Because there's no one else I would, nothing else I would bet on more than me because I know I'm a grind. I know I'm a win. Wow, wow. And I mean, my next question was going to be, what's the most impactful thing you've done 
with money. But, but I mean, it, but all, right? It might, it, I mean, to me, I'm saying, look, if somebody's it, you got skin in the game and you putting, you know, you know, three hundred fifty thousand back into this fund, that's gonna eventually help these founders. It's you know that you know that sounds like big impact to me. But what what would you say is the most impactful thing you've done with money? Oh man, it's it's probably the same thing, yeah, and it's yeah. just because of the amount. Like I've done a lot of like. I just do little random stuff all the time. Mm-hmm. Like, I bought a whole pack of waters from the Water Boys yesterday. Yeah, like, yeah, just, yeah, just yeah, random yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But I would say the, the level, the scale of impact, um, this fund is going to do things that I've never, the things that I've dreamed of, right? right. Like, when I started talking about affecting the old thing you talked about at the beginning, like, of changing the black community. Yeah, yeah. Like, I'm now starting to get into that mode where the decisions that I'm making with my money mm-hmm. have the ability to do that. Yeah. You know, um, but I, I also I say that because I don't want to belittle those little things like right. the little things you do every day, yeah. you know, from mentoring kids to taking a kid out that may not have anything at home and taking them to a steakhouse or something. Right. Like showing them, giving them that exposure, like all those little things that, that I do or that, you know, we do as people. Those things are just as impactful. Absolutely. Right. Because yeah. you don't know that person may be the next Barry. Absolutely. And yeah. you might have put them, set them on that path, that dinner or that, whatever you gave them, yeah. that might have been the first token yeah. into them that is going to set them, that you don't even know is going to happen 20 yeah. years later, yeah. where they become the person that gets the capital from the collab capital, $20 million right. fund, and becomes the billionaire. Right. Absolutely. Right. And Absolutely. so it's those type of things. I never like to look down on those little things, yeah. but the biggest one definitely was this investment into collab. Yeah. And I love it though too, because even when you think what you're doing, it, like literally taking black founder geniuses, and helping them turn that genius into generational wealth because to your point, technology companies, you never know, right? With a technology company, somebody, you, that $1 million could turn to a billion dollars. And so you could, cre- you could be creating, you know, or you are creating, we're gonna talk this into existence. Yes, sir. You Let's are creating black tech billionaires. And so when it's all said and done, Right, we, we we talk about Harriet Tubman, you know Martin Luther King, you know Marcus Garvey, Malcolm X, but yo Barry Gibbons and the crew at Collab Capital created these black billionaires, and I, I think that's that's commendable. That's you know definitely something that we need to see more of, and that's the other thing though too, because once you do it successfully, now it allows other folks to start, right? Like why why aren't the athletes and the the you know hip hop folks and people who have money can say, yo, you know what, let's start this other fund. You know what I'm saying? Yep. LeBron, the first, you know, act, active player a who's a billionaire, yeah. all right. I mean he's doing phenomenal things, you know, but now you know, seeing the success of Collab Capital, there could be so many multiple collabs that now set the stage for this true renaissance of, you know, you know, shrinking in the wealth gap that we've been talking about for, for, for 40 years, of, right? You know, <laughs> um, and so I love that. I love that. And then so, you know, you know, you know, you know, now, you know, 50 million dollars, uh, you know, you're controlling 50 million dollars, uh, you and the team. Um, if you could go back and talk to your 18-year-old self, what advice would you give him? Oh, man. My 18-year-old self. Ooh. Bet on yourself. Mm, okay. Right? Like, because when I, when I was, I'm trying to think of where I was doing at 18. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I don't think I would tell him about any of the mistakes I made. Like, I did dumb college student stuff and, yeah. you know, 
all that stuff. I wouldn't give that type of advice. Like, go live your life, have fun. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, because it wasn't until I was about 20, 21, mm-hmm. where I started doing, I started that, when we started that shoe company, where I started betting on myself. Mm-hmm. Had I started that journey back when I was younger at 18, to like always focus on you. Like, you are your greatest asset. Mm-hmm. Like, if you pour into you, like, that's the thing you can't control. Mm-hmm. And so I wasn't doing enough of that at 18, right? I was, I was focused on Georgia Tech. I was focused on all these internships and, you know, like, how can I go get this corporate life? And there's nothing wrong with corporate life. Yeah. But knowing where I was heading, yeah. if I'd have known that at 18, mm-hmm. I would have started that journey two, three years earlier, and I would have been making those larger bets mm. on myself. And I love that. And speak, speaking of corporate, you know, because like you, you, I mean, you alluded to this earlier that we're at a space where, uh, you know, there's like this this nine to five shaming, right? Like people are like, oh, go be I a boss that. and go. Right. Right. And so, you you know, you as someone, you know, who worked the nine to five and successfully started a business, you know, uh, at the same time simultaneously. What would you say to somebody or what advice would you give to somebody uh, that has a nine to five, but they, you know, they got, they, they got the entrepreneurship itch. They want to, you know, they, they want to venture out. But like you said, um, you know, they, you know, the, the nine to five is really just what's holding them down, them and their family. Like what advice would you give that person? Who, this is where I turn into an asshole. Mm-hmm. Um, if you can't build something while you're working a nine to five, you don't really have the chops to be an entrepreneur. Ooh, talk heavy, okay. Like, because there, there, there's a level of work that you do when you have an idea, right? Yeah. It's a lot of ideating, it's a lot of like mapping stuff out, getting on whiteboards, things you can do at two in the morning mm-hmm. while you work a job. Mm-hmm. You don't really need all that extra time mm-hmm. until you like, now you have to worry about selling and finding customers, doing all this other stuff, right? but there are different stages. Mm-hmm. You should be doing all of that early stuff, that ideating, that testing. You should be doing all that on somebody's dime. I tell you all the time, like Caterpillar was my first investor. Yeah. They yeah. paid me every day to go to work and I flipped that money into a startup yeah. in my after hours, but they paid for the patent. They paid for the, right. the materials. Right. And because what happens is when you switch that, that thing to become a full-time entrepreneur, yeah. you still working 16 hours a day. Facts, yeah. So if you tell them you can't work 16 hours a day now, yeah. that might be where you need to be. Like stack that bread, get them to match your 401k. Like, and, and, and this is what I try to like to your point about that shaming. Yeah. There's a lot of wealth to be built, Absolutely. and we need people in corporate building wealth too. Absolutely. Because that's where the mass majority of people are going to build their wealth. We yeah. need you to have that steady job so you can buy real estate, become a real estate investor. Absolutely. Everybody doesn't have to quit their job and be a boss. Mm-hmm. You can be rich without being a boss. That's a fact. Most people are rich without being a boss. Mm-hmm. Now, the mass, the mass levels of wealth that people chase, but most times people miss out on their wealth by chasing this, this other target. But no, work your job. If you have the chops, you will get something off the ground, and that business will tell you when it's time to quit. You, you, know, you know why I love, love what you just said? So you know Because I think, um, you know, and I see this a lot, especially... Uh, with this new age entrepreneurs who are just kind of like jumping out there, like, you know, jumping out there and starting a business um, and they're watching, you know, other people do their thing and they're like, all right, this is this is what I'm going to do. But they don't really build a proper foundation. Right. Like they don't 
you know, they don't take time to think about the idea and think about their, uh, you know, target market, create a, you know, a SWOT analysis, know your strengths, weaknesses, opportunity and threats. Like a lot, like, like people see those things and they're like, ah, nah, I ain't got time for that, right? Like this money, let me go make this money. But then when, you know, Facebook changes their algorithm, now your business is done, right? <laughs> because you, because you, because you relied on, on Facebook and your business wasn't built on a, on a foundation. Yep. And so now you have this nine to five, you have this investor, you take the time to really build a business, right? Yep. And that, and that, that like kind of alludes to my, my second question for entrepreneurs or my next question about entre for entrepreneurs is, um, you know, I think that it would behoove any entrepreneur to build their business as if they're going to sell, even if they're not going to sell. It's great to set your business up that way because um, that way you know you're, you're setting up your business the right way, right? Um, what you know? What advice would you give to somebody, being someone who has built the business and been able to yeah. sell the business? Um, what are those, those key things that an entrepreneur should have that makes a business sellable? Not like yo, I'm the brand, and yo. You know, like you can't buy me, right? And so, yeah. like, how do you build that that business that's that's sellable? Yeah. The first thing is two main things. One, you have to produce something that is hard to produce. Ooh. A lot of people think they have secret sauce, and like I said, you just the other, you just another hairdresser, right. you know, on, on the block, right? It's yeah. it's thirty. Yeah, it's a great. You should you can make a lot of money doing it, yeah. but there's nothing you can, there's nothing anyone's going to buy. Right. And so the first way to do it is to build something that is other people are going to struggle to build. It's going to take a lot of money for them to build, yeah. because now I have to make the decision whether I want to go spend five million dollars building this thing or if I just want to give you 10 and get it out the way and it's ready to go. And I could put my infrastructure on top of it or whatever the case may be. Or that's, that's why a lot of big companies buy. So that's why Facebook bought Instagram. Right. Like Facebook could have built another um, image-based social app, but it was like, it's going to take us forever. We're going to have to like buy market share. We got to spend all this money on marketing to compete with them. Let's just get him a billy. Right. Like we, and we know once we put our billions of people on that platform that it's going to actually make us a billion dollars, multi-billion dollars back. Right. So let's go get that person a billion dollars and get it out the way. Yeah. Right. Like, so you have to make them make that business decision to make it more, make it better, a better business decision for them to buy you than it is to build themselves. Mm -hmm. The second way to do it is to own a market. Mm. So let's say you are that said hairdresser. I know we're talking about tech stuff, but mm -hmm. now we got this theme, this, this hairdresser from the block. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, maybe it's a certain demographic that nobody else can go get. Mm. You know, you built this engine that makes it easy for, you know, single moms in a certain neighborhood to be able to drop their kids off at a certain place, get their hair done. And you built this thing mm -hmm. and no one else has been able to capture and make money off of this market. Mm -hmm. Now, if I'm the larger chain hairdresser, I'm like that logistic engine, logistics engine that you built. You don't even know you built the logistics right, engine, right, right. you know, but now that's what you built. I want to take that to every metropolitan area because I want that demographic. Mm. You've gotten to a customer base yeah. that they don't know how to get to. Yeah. And those are the two things that uh, a business cares about. Like, what, can, what am I building to increase my, my brand or to increase my exposure in the product? And then what am, how do I get to people? Yeah. And if you can give the, if you can give me one of those two things, and then the third thing that happens 
sometimes as well, um, typically it's on like the down, the, when a company's kind of, you know, going in the other direction, mm -hmm. um, is they'll aqua hire. Mm -hmm. So if you do a really good job of hiring good talent, then a company may come and say, oh, you built like a machine learning team that is top notch. Maybe your idea wasn't great, mm -hmm. but your talent is awesome. Mm -hmm. Like, I just want to take that whole team. And the best way to do that is for me to buy your company. Wow. So yeah. those are kind of the three things I was saying. If you can build with those three things in mind, like yeah. how innovative is what I'm building, building. How do I go get a market that no one else knows how to capture? Yeah. And how do I hire the best people? Yeah. That will put you in the best position for eventually someday to be acquired. But yeah. to your point, it also just puts you in the best position to have the best damn business on the, in the world, Absolutely. right? Yeah. And so, because people only want to buy the best businesses the in the world. Absolutely, yeah. So, yeah. they're kind of the same thing. Yeah, yeah, no, that was golden. I love, I love that because, I mean, you know, again, entrepreneurs out there, if you're doing the same thing, you might think you got the secret source, but if you build that technology or if you build that structure that's hard to duplicate, you know, that, that's either two things. Somebody's gonna buy you or you're gonna have the business that you could scale and continue to kind of build. Uh, so I love that. All right, we're gonna do a, uh, you know, our, our lightning round. Um, and so what we do, we are inside the vault and uh, you know, inside the vault, we you know, take banking terms and we flip them uh, into you know, terms that uh, you know, kind of help our audience. Um, and so the first term I'm gonna say is deposit slip. Right. And so, you know, when you walk into a bank, a deposit slip is what you write to, you know, write down yep. and you give it to the teller to deposit money. But for us, a deposit slip is a mistake. Right. A mistake that you a slip up, a deposit slip up that you made. So tell me tell me about your biggest deposit slip. Whew. I sold. Thirty three percent of Masseur mm. for thirty three thousand dollars. Wow. Wait, that, yeah, that was. It takes a moment of silence. Yeah, 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 it does. It um, it was. I I knew nothing about venture. Like I said, my other my companies previous to that, I didn't really raise money. Yeah. Um, I was super green around like, but somebody come to you come from we come from somebody offer you thirty some thousand dollars in yeah. one lump sum yeah. in a check. Yeah. Like, you just gonna get it get that to me today? Right. Like right now? Right. And before that, it was all my own money. Right. And so for me, it was like, oh, an investor. That's like proof that I'm doing something yeah. right. And how much had you invested in the business prior to? Probably close to that. Okay, okay. And um, I took it mm. and gave up a board seat, gave up all these things that you would never do yeah. for that. I did direct equity, so it wasn't even like on a convertible instrument. Like all the things I know now and I, I coach founders on doing, yeah. I didn't have anybody to coach me. Wow. And that's one of the big reasons I come out here and do this yeah. today, right? It's like, I want to make sure, even if it's me, yeah, yeah. like I will tell you if I'm not the right investor, right? right? Like, I never want to take advantage of anyone, let alone a black founder who is trying to learn this game. Yeah. Um, but it, it was one of the music industry back in the day deals, right? It was, uh, but yeah, that, that was probably the biggest mistake that I've made on my, uh, on my journey. And, 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 and just real quick on that, I know it's supposed to be a lightning round, it's supposed to move fast, but real quick on that though, right? So like, a lot of people are always like, all right, I want to get an investor. I want to get an investor. But to your point, sometimes when you get an investor and they're giving you money, you're giving up control in yeah. essence. When, 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 is the, when is the best time to give, like, should you ever give control? Uh, is, you know, like, like talk, can you talk a little bit about that? You know, like, you know. 
it's not really like a set in stone yeah. time, but there is a time in the business where you have to really scale and where you can't do it like on your own. Like what I was doing then, yeah. like I could have gotten 30 grand on my own, right? Yeah. So there's this moment in your, and you, you know when it's happening, mm -hmm. where it's like, I've built this thing super special and now I need to go raise $5 million to blow the market out. Yeah. That's when you really start saying, okay, now I maybe need a board of advisors because I'm gonna have to hire a bunch of people and those are things I don't know how to do. I'm gonna have to, so like, it, it, there's not like an exact like script to yeah. here's when you do it, but way too many people, especially black founders, do it way too early. Yeah. So now there's thing called convertible instruments mm -hmm. where you're not giving direct equity, you're not giving people board seats, and they're basically buying into the future of your business. Mm -hmm. So they're basically saying, I'm buying in today at three million potentially, mm -hmm. so that, that's, as much, that's as much as I'm gonna pay, the, mm -hmm. the, the three million dollar price. Mm -hmm. Uh, per share, like whatever that share price is, but their hope is that you're gonna go. They're gonna that money's gonna help you grow to six. So when you go out and raise at the six million dollar price, they their benefit is they got in early enough where they don't even convert over until you go raise that six. They kind of bought in early. They got the discount on the on the real price later on. But what happens is now that person they're just a small investor, and typically the person that gave you the six million dollar money. That is when you'll get a board seat and things they'll go direct equity. So you can feel it, um, but that's why you need smart people around. You need people that aren't taking advantage of you. You need people that have been there before, and you have to go find that mentorship yeah. for you. Someone that doesn't have skin in your game. Mm. Someone that just wants to give you good advice, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. And so, well, there's lightning rounds. So I'll stop there. No, 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 I love it. I love it. I love it. It's Sex, a long ass lightning. No, no, no. It's all good. It's all good. Cause that, you, but you know why I'm, I'm cool with it, man? Because I feel like, you know, this is true generational wealth, right? Like yeah. founders and, you know, equity and raising money. Like that's the game that we haven't played yet. We played the, you know, I mean, and, and, and there's a lot of wealth being built in real estate, but... Yeah. Like tech, like tech could make you a billionaire for real. Real estate you know? is still tangible. Right. You're still limited to the amount of space that exactly. you can go get. Yeah. Technology, yeah. like say you can wake up tomorrow and have a billion people on your app. Like you can literally go global off of some things that you type on your computer. Right. Like it's different. Right. So a different, different level of generational wealth. This level. is this is Jeff Bezos. Let me fly out of space. <laughs> generational wealth. Uh, second term we're gonna do is. Um, charge off right so you know uh you know you go into a bank and you know or you you borrow some money uh you don't pay it back and the bank is trying to get it for you eventually they'll charge it, charge off. it off um Been you info. know right exactly right <laughs> and so for us though you know being this is a money mindset show um and and on your journey uh what type of people or mindsets did you have to charge off to be where you are today Oh man, I think it gets back to that, you know, building your own table, right? Like, and the, but the mindset was, you don't have to depend on someone else, mm. right? Like when I built Monsieur, I'm sorry, you do have to depend on somebody else from a community perspective. Yeah, we don't have to depend on someone else to solve our community problems, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and that mindset shift is what kind of allowed us to start Collab Capital. And it's allowed us to do a lot of other, you're starting to see a lot of athletes, entertainers kind of start to build their own tables. Like I'm starting my own brands, mm -hmm. you know, LeBron starting his own entertainment company, like even what he did with Rich Paul, right? Like I'm a, no, my homeboy gonna be my agent. Right. Like that's wealth, like that is, that's crazy. Like, like the top agent in the Absolutely. league yeah. Yeah. off a kid that had never done a deal before in his life coming out of high school. 
right? So it's those type of things where people are starting to build their own table. But I personally had to grow to that mindset, right? And so once I, once I charged off that old mindset of talking on panels, trying to get Silicon Valley to change and trying to get them to understand that we're, we're worthy, right? Right. Like, fuck that. Right, right. Like, why are we out begging right. other people? And yeah. so that I had to charge that off. And the second that I charged that off, it's like a weight yeah. is off your shoulders. Because now what you've done, begin back to betting on your, telling yourself to bet on yourself. Yeah. Before, you're, you're letting someone else control your destiny. Yeah. Once you get that weight off your shoulders of, like, I'm not going to depend on that from a community perspective. Yeah. Oh man, sky's the yeah, limit yeah, now. Yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. we can go do whatever we want to do exactly, now. Like, we exactly. have to depend on their structures. Right. We don't have to work underneath their the things that they've built and try to fit into these molds that we don't fit into. Yeah. It's like no, nah, we got our own mold brewing over here, right, and right. we're gonna make sure it fit all of us. Right. Right. So that that was that was my mindset that I charged off. No, nah, I love it. I love it. All right. So last one, uh, trust account. Right. And so you know the trust account. Uh, is where somebody takes their assets, they put it in the trust account to make sure it's protected, make sure that it, it grows, make sure it you know gets to the next level. Um, you know who uh, is part of your trust account, or what mindset do you have part of your trust account that's 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 protecting you, that's helping you grow, that's helping you get to that next level. Oh, I think we we already hit the faith thing, but I think like faith is probably the thing that's there. That's that, that non tangible thing. Yeah, yeah. That once once it's shown up so many times, it yeah. gets easier to follow absolutely, it, right? Absolutely. So as you keep using it, and using it, it's like the, the the bets become easier and easier to make. Um, so that's like the main thing. But then it's like the people I surround myself with, man, are I never try to be the smartest person in the room or like oh. Everyone that is around me brings something different. And so, like, one of my best friends, he started Slushy Kicks with me. Mm-hmm. He started Masseur with me. Mm-hmm. He's not on the Collab Capital team. Oh, nice, nice, um, nice. But my, my homeboy, Mario, dude, dude, I'll be with in the gym. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. fellow techie. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. But, yeah, like, he was always the yin to my yang. It was like, I'm a high-level thinker. Mm-hmm. Like, but when you get into the operational day-to-day stuff, I've never been good at, like, managing that, that kind of stuff. And he's a genius at it. So anytime I started something – even when he's not on the team, like he's always a part of my mindset or I tap him for something to get good insights. And then my Clap Capital team, mm-hmm. which all these people I've known for, Mar- Mario I've known, we came into tech together, but um, like Jewel and Justin, we grew up together in the technology space. Mm-hmm. So we all started companies the same year mm-hmm. with no ecosystem here in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And we just started building the ecosystem together, along with some other, like Ryan from Gathering Spot, yeah. Candace from Myavana. Uh, it's, it's about seven of us. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we just all started, man. Like, we didn't have anybody coaching us and mentoring us. And now what it's become is that, like, we all lean on each other. Like, yeah. we all learn different lessons. We're all in different networks. And man, I, I, w- I, w- I would go to bat with these people, like, not just for collab yeah. or for business, but when it comes to marriage, when it comes to, like, just life in general. Yeah. Like these people have become my my rock. Like they, these are my family members, yeah. basically. Yeah. Uh, and it, it's crazy because some people. I remember one time Ryan got into an article, and, and Jewel, and my and a buddy of mine was like, "Hey man, why you not in that article, <laughs> right, man? Like right, why?" Right, you, right. And I was like, "Man, I am. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, if they in it, that shot the Ryan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like if they in it, yeah. I'm in it. Right. Like they're my people. Yeah, yeah. Like this yeah, my family. Yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not and that's egotistical. A, that's a next level though too. Yeah. Like like we building this shit together. Absolutely. Like we yeah, building yeah. this foundation together. So yeah. if they building 
that's just a stronger, Absolutely. stronger step for me to stand on. I need to go in that Absolutely. direction, right? Maybe they're they gonna get me on the podcast next, right? right? right they right, they, right, they right. gonna let the, whoever didn't call me that time right, to right. call me next time, Absolutely. right? And so getting into that mindset where you have people like that around you, where there's no ego, yeah. we're not, even though we're all competitive, we're com even, we're even competitive internally, right? But it's all healthy, right? Like I still want to see everybody win. Yeah. And having pe other people with that mindset, it makes it so much easier to take risks, yeah. to make sacrifices, and to do the type of work that we're doing, because it's yeah. hard. Yeah. yeah, And yeah, those people keep me grounded, man. Yeah. No, I love it. I love it. Barry Gibbons, y'all. Uh, I was gonna say round of applause, but Gary, <laughs> Barry Gibbons, uh, Collab Capital. Uh, if somebody wanted to connect with you, collab, you personally, where can they find you? So on for myself personally is Barry Givens Jr. on IG and Twitter. Um, for collab is collab.capital on IG, collab underscore Twitter, uh, or collab underscore capital on Twitter. Um, and then you can find our website, collab.capital. All right, y'all. Barry Givens, Collab Capital, 50. Yo, you see him in the street, ask him to let you hold something. $50 million raised, he got you. No, I'm just joking. Don't want to fault him either. Right, yeah, don't want to fault him either. I got something else on me. Right, 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 right. Don't want to fault him. Don't want to think it's sweet, man. Hey, still work. No, it's fine. Uh, but thank, but thank y'all for tapping in, for tuning in to Inside the Vault with Ash Cash, the greatest Money Mindset Show on the Planet. Make sure you tap in. If you know a black founder who is in tech, who, is, who needs some funding, some capital, make sure y'all tap in. Um, but I'll see y'all next time. We're going to keep bringing you heat, keep bringing you powerful interviews. Uh, Till next time, in God's will, I am Ash Cash. Peace. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.